Well, we all know now there is no justice in the soccer world as Mexico takes home its seventh CONCACAF Gold Cup. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsev. And Ivis, man, I was trying to tell you last week, there is no justice, man. I told you. I warned you. You warned me? What did you want? I'm sorry. I missed that. I can't remember that. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it was wishful thinking. You know, we all, uh, all, all non-Mexico fans and non uh, Non-Mexicans were, were rooting for the underdog, rooting for Jamaica to, to, to bring some semblance of sanity the Gold Cup after, you know, Mexico being gift-wrapped a place in the final. But, alas, Mexico finally wakes up. They, Of course, when they get to the final, yep. they, they show us the team that we've all been waiting to see and, and all been expecting coming into this tournament and uh it, it was uh, it was a good game the great game for them and they played really well and say what you want about them all tournament but they brought it on the final and they took it to jamaica and they and they played like a champion yeah. well before we talk about the mexico game and the u.s game we do have to talk about a game that did not happen this past weekend mexico panama in the semifinals we all know that american referee mark geiger was there there were some questionable calls some some horrendous calls by him also and CONCACAF Ivis has gone out this week and admitted that there were some mistakes and errors that were made in this game. And for CONCACAF to go out and admit it during the Gold Cup, I mean, that's that's pretty big time. Yeah, I'm not going to give them too much credit for for admitting that they totally screwed the pooch on the, on that on that semifinal. Uh, I mean, on one hand, yes, it's rare. You, you never you never get officials actually come out and say yes that there were mistakes made. But it's too little, too late, man. You know, I mean, what what does that mean? What is that? What, what's Panama supposed to do with that? I mean, Nothing. they. they uh, so I mean, it, it, it's a little. It feels all. It all feels a little pointless. You know what I mean? And it also came a little later. Uh, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't the next morning. It, it took a couple of days to to kind of get that out of out of them. Um. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not one of these. I, mean, I know Sunil Galati wanted to talk about that on Saturday, and kind of trumpet the fact that this is a sign of Concacaf. You know showing something and it, it, eh, i guess but you know what it still doesn't take away from the fact that in a lot of ways this tournament was a farce well i don't know if i'd say a farce i would say that this region still has a lot of growing up to do just from not not from the referee side also the player side too there's a lot that needs to happen for this league to continue to be a dominant in the world soccer scene um it's a farce it's, Cap, with that's, a capital, don't be that's, that's being too harsh that's being too capital, harsh it's a farce with a capital farce now, why are okay. you always so mean on this show <laughs> why do you always have to be so mean that is I'm that is a burning mean, question man. that's well oh yeah i know yeah after the last <laughs> show a lot of people i think some people called dyfus on me uh they wanted to you know file charges because apparently i abused you too much i just want to say for the record folks you do abuse no, me too much. nobody feel bad for garrett okay we're boys. Boys, you know, boys argue. Friends argue. They debate. They have passionate debates and discussions about sports. And you know, it, it's uh, it is what it is. We that, that we we you know, I'm the east. I'm the fiery east coast guy. He's the kind of laid back west coast guy. We're gonna have exactly. different approaches to different approaches but, to how we debate. Things. But we so live I'm, together in one house. That's a sitcom right there. You there and you I go. in a house together. Think about that. I mean, we you know we could do that, but. Uh, 
Yeah, so no one go worrying about it. Garrett is a big boy. He's not crying himself to sleep. That's at least not, not it's, At least not because of the show. Uh, I don't know about what other stuff's going on in his life, but yeah, see, so we're good. See, we're see, good. see, not only do you imply I'm five four and redhead, you imply that I cry all the time. I appreciate that, Ivis. You're definitely five six. Look at that. You're trying to apologize, and yet you still throw me under the bus. Uh, on Saturday, you were at this game, U.S. Men's National Team. They lost to Panama in a shootout, which once it hit overtime, it was. What was the point? I mean, first off, what's the point of a third place game? We could talk about that, but for the game to go into extra time and go into penalties, I mean, I was, it was pulling teeth at that point. Okay, first things first, right? The U.S. played like like garbage. I mean, they 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 didn't want to be there, and that that on one hand, you you can't be too surprised by that because when you think about a champ uh, a reigning champion, a title favorite uh, falling in the semifinals. Asking them to get off the mat and actually care about a third place game—it's asking a lot. It asks, it's asking a lot. Now, having said that, you're still playing for the national team. You're still wearing that uniform. You're still playing in front of fans who've paid their money to see you play. You got to come to play. You got to be professional. You have to bring your best possible performance. And not enough, not nearly enough players did that. A lot of them really laid eggs. A lot of them looked like they just wanted to be anywhere but. PPL Park, and I, and it was embarrassing. It really was. And Panama, credit to Panama. I mean, they had the tournament stolen from them, and they were able to shake it off and and refocus themselves and and make that third place game a chance for them to showcase themselves, a chance for some younger players for Panama mm-hmm. to to impress uh, their their coach. And and I think they did that. They they outplayed the U.S. They had tons of chances. If not for Brad Guzan and a couple of goal line clearances, it could have been it could have been a blowout. Panama could have blown out the U.S. In front of what was a pro, you know, mostly you a pro U.S. crowd at PPL Park, so uh, it, it was disappointing. Absolutely, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Um, but you know, having said all that, I'm not going to go taking putting a ton of stock into it for those very reasons because it's a third place scheme. It doesn't mean that much to the players. They they definitely were were still I think shocked by what happened well, in the semis. I, I, and Klinsman also threw out a bit of a clearly an yeah. experimental lineup at that point too. I, so. You know. Well, look, when you look at this game, I, I'm not looking at team performance, right? I, I want to look at certain guys who have opportunities. Tim Ream in this game, uh, Joe Corona, Aaron Hansen continuing to show that he could be the striker up top. I mean, that, that's something that I'm looking for in this game. And unfortunately, a lot of these guys, Ivis, when you just look at the starting 11, I mean, the bench was okay. Dempsey came on. He was pretty good. DeAndre Yedlin. But for the most part, I mean, none of these guys even had in games that you could say, oh, okay, he deserves a call up in, in, in the next friendly. It was ugly, man. It was it was ugly. John Brooks was tr- terrible. Oh my gosh, he was atrocious. And, and, and you know, Johansson didn't take advantage. I mean, there's a guy for me, Johansson, who did who really missed the boat in this tournament. Missed a golden opportunity to assert himself as as a guy Klinsman can turn to. It, uh, it, you know, if there's any possibility or any 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 thought in Klinsman's mind that he's ready to move on from Josie Altador, um. He, this was an opportunity for uh, Johansson to show Klinsman that he could be the guy, but he didn't do it. He didn't show it. He didn't. He didn't show us what I think a lot of people were hoping to see or thinking we might see from a guy who, you know, obviously in the Netherlands has scored a ton of goals, but you know, it, he, he it just hasn't. Trend, he just hasn't made that transition to the, it, the national it, level. He it, it, it didn't bring it over. It didn't carry over. And then, they, like you said, there were just a lot of really flat. I thought flat performances uh, across the board. I mean, other than Yedlin and. And Dempsey, who really brought some energy, um, and and Brad Guzan obviously kept them in the game. Aside from that, man, there wasn't a lot a lot to write home about here. 
No, there wasn't. But there were a few things, though. And when you look at this team overall as a whole, some guys definitely improved their stock. Brad Guzan, obviously, he did have a few mistakes here and there. But overall, he's, he's a great replacement for Tim Howard and any guy who... who at one time, look, Brad Guzan's going to push Tim Howard, and that could be at the next World Cup. But some other guys, uh, Jesse Zardes continued to improve. Uh, I mean, Johnson, Michael Bradley, Clint, De- Clint Dempsey. I mean, obviously, when, when you look at some guys outside of the main guys that you expect to stand up for the U.S., I mean, who were some guys that really caught your eye and definitely took advantage of their opportunity in this Gold Cup? Well, I think overall it's tough, man. It's tough to really point to guys who, I mean, let's let, let's go from the back to the front. I mean, I think Guzan uh, wasn't terrible, but you know he had his worst game in the game that lost, that cost him the Jamaica game. And you kind of wonder, does that open the door for Tim Howard now that Tim Howard has announced his his uh, intention to get to, to get uh, come back in the fold? And it's going to be up to Jurgen Klinsmann to decide. Uh, do I am I am I happy with Guzan right now? Do I want to stick with him because he's going to be my guy in 2018, or do I want to bring in Tim Howard because he can provide an upgrade right now at a time where we you know maybe we need one, especially with the big match in October, the big Confederations Cup playoff match. You know that that's the tricky one. But I thought Guzan did all right uh, as far as the defense goes. I mean, who helped themselves really? I mean, Reem. Uh, Omar Gonzalez. I mean, Omar Gonzalez by not playing. Yeah, I say Omar Gonzalez's so, stock raised the most. Yeah, he raised. <laughs> yeah, the guys who played the least and, and Matt didn't Beasley. play at all <laughs> boost their stock because Omar Gonzalez's stock is up. Matt Beasler, his stock, stock is, is way, right way, now. way up right now. Jermaine Jones' stock oh, is stop up it. pretty damn good. Stop hey, it, I'm Iris. just saying. Hey, they needed. You know what? They needed Jermaine Jones's. Attitude on this team, they did. You're, they you're losing. This. You're losing the podcast, Ivis. You're losing. I know. Listen, I know. There's people out there who, whose lasting memories of Jones are not positive, but I tell you what, man, he brings something different to the table. He bring, he brings a certain nastiness, a certain attitude, a certain toughness. I just don't think this team had, and I don't think we saw it at all in the Gold Cup. So, uh, but yeah, so the guys who weren't around and who didn't play, their stock went up. John Brooks, his stock did not go up. Ventura Alvarado is just straight, just, you know, total meltdown in terms of stock. Now, by the way, I just want to clarify, I, I, I like Alvarado as a prospect. I know he's got some things to learn as uh, defensively and to tighten up his game. Uh, I just don't think he's ready right now. Uh, I'm not writing him off. I know there are people who, write, who, who just write him off, think he's terrible, think he has no business even being in the picture. I'm not on that level. I, I actually like him as a prospect. I just, need, I just think he needs time. And games on the club level. I mean, a guy doesn't have that many games even on the club level yet. He's had point. one. So he's had he, one full season, and that's right. when he was loaned he, out by Club America. He needs seasoning. He needs seasoning. So he's not ready now. John Brooks. I thought this would be his breakout tournament. Absolutely was not. So I don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, when you look at right back, Timmy Chandler again, a guy, another guy whose stock has plummeted. Um, but that's in the eyes of of, of the obser- observers. It's not necessarily in the eyes of Klinsman because who knows what Klinsman's thinking about. If Klinsman has decided, hey, these are my guys in 2018, I'm going to ride with them, thick or thin, let them take their lumps, but they're going to be my guys. Then it may, maybe then it doesn't really matter. Maybe it doesn't matter right now that they're struggling. So, but for me, he wasn't any good. Fabian Johnson, obviously, the only player of, on defense you could say who raised yeah, the stock. But I mean, just, yeah. he didn't raise it. He's just he's just what he is. He's very good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very reliable. Uh, in the midfield, Beckerman uh, was up and down. Bradley up and down. I mean, for Bradley, for what we expect of Bradley, I mean, let's not for, like how how far back do those friendlies seem? when he was the best player on the field against the Netherlands and Germany, 
Um, he just wasn't at that level in the Gold Cup. I mean, at times he stepped it up, but it, he didn't carry this team like I think you know hope, many would have hoped. And and at, at the end of the day, like the team needed the team needed him to carry them because so many other guys just didn't bring it, just didn't come through. Nope. Jassy Zardes, I could say. Helped himself a bit, but he is raw, man. He is raw. People need to realize the guy's raw. Uh, he needs more games. He needs more seasoning. He needs more, just more reps, club level, national team level. He need, he he needs to learn a lot. Uh, Bedoya, I like Bedoya. I think even though he only played a couple games, uh, he showed me that he's a guy who's there, man. He he he's he's good Dude, enough. He grinds he, every game. He does. He brings it, man. Dude, he's and I he's he hundred percent the entire game. He's one of the few guys that are more, like that. Right. I mean, he showed more attacking quality for me in this Gold Cup than I than I think we even saw in the in the World Cup from him. So I think he's someone. If you're kind of penciling your guys in going forward, I think he's a guy. I think Fabian Johnson, Alejandro Bedoya, Michael Bradley, obviously Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey was you know the the MVP of this for this team in the tournament. No question. He was the Golden Boot winner. Seven goals. Um. But, yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of guys you could really pencil in and say, yeah, these guys, lock-in guys, Johnson, Bedoya, Bradley, Dempsey. After that, man, it's a, it's a you're throwing darts at a board right now, just the way this Gold Cup went. Well, and one guy, too, that we didn't talk about, no longer on the roster, Josie Altidore. You could definitely say his stock definitely went down again. But, I mean, it's the same thing with Josie, man. It's up and down. It's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, he's a, I, I don't want to crush him too much just because – uh, he wasn't fit, you know, and I know people say, oh, well, he should have been fit, but the guy had an injury. He, he hurt, he tore his hamstring, uh, in June. And it was, there were questions even then about would he get back in time for the gold cup. And obviously they brought him in when they should have, they brought him in hoping they could work him back in fitness wise. And it just, he just didn't, he wasn't able to do it. But for me, for my money, uh, a healthy and motivated Josie Altidore is still the best striker the U.S. has. He absolutely is. Mm-hmm. People need to remember World Cup qualifying in 2013, or even the Altidore we saw heading up to the World Cup when when he he looked so good. I think for me, he's still that guy, and there's no one else. There's no one else right now. That's what gets me. Like people are like, "Oh, Josie Altidore, forget about him." No, you can't because there's no one else. Johansson didn't show that he could be the guy. Wondolowski is not that guy. Uh, Jordan Morris is a couple of years away from hopefully maybe being that guy. Who else is there? There's just no one else. Terrence Boyd is off the radar. He's working his way Dude, back from jo- his injury. Jordan he's Morris the- is ready now, man. Come on. No, he's not. Come I'm on. Not. Not, no, not even. <laughs> not even. Not even. He's he's ready. But, uh, he would score 10 goals in this Gold Cup if he was healthy. Easy. You're, now you're... What are, you, what are you drinking, man? I told you not drink. I told you not to drink during the show. <laughs> but but yeah, but none of these guys are the guy. Alan Gordon is not the guy. No. I mean, none of the, none of these guys are the guy. So if you're Josie, if you're your husband, you're looking at it like, man, I I guess Josie's the guy. I gotta I gotta stick with Josie Altidore. So uh, I mean, I, I, one guy to think about, Josie's artist. I mean, I know he played mostly as a winger, but uh, and like I said, he does have a lot to learn. But I think as a forward. I think I think he's a guy you should they they should maybe spend more time looking at just because I think when you play him as a winger there's just so much that he doesn't understand about the position about the responsibilities about reading the game uh when you put him in midfield when you put him on the wing he's just a bit lost he makes the wrong decisions so many times I think as a forward I mean he is a forward that's his natural position he understands it a lot better I think if you put him up top he is. I think he's going to be effective. So I think for me, if you're looking at the guys uh, who could replace Altidore, I'm not saying Jardis is ready to, but I'm, I think he's a guy that Klinsman probably wants to get more of a look at as a forward. 
I'll, I'll say one thing though. If you're a young player like Jordan Morris, I'll even throw Bobby Wood in there too. I mean, these guys got to be licking their chops and saying, man, this is an opportunity for me to really buckle down, take this seriously in the next couple months, and I could really find myself being a part of this U.S. team going forward. I mean, the door's <laughs> open. I know it's I, I know it's a little far fetched, but I'm just saying the door is open. They like. have other things to worry about, man. I'm just Bobby saying the door is open. Getting playing time for his club, his new That's club. what I'm saying. Buckling down with this club, man. about exams and, and getting grades and standards. Isn't Jordan Morris a senior? He doesn't care. He's not going to class. He's, he's actually a junior. He's a he's junior? Junior. junior? He's definitely still not going to class. <laughs> just At this hey, point, he's learned hey, that he can just get Stanford, C's for the rest of hey, college. He goes to Stanford. He doesn't go to Arizona State. Just to get a shot. Just to be clear <laughs> here. What's so that I'm supposed pretty, to mean? I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure he goes to class. Just because you didn't go to class doesn't mean he I miss usually the <laughs> maximum number of classes you're allowed to miss. Yeah, I don't think your teacher knew your name. I'm pretty sure. None of your professors probably knew your name. That's not true. I'd say maybe two or three. Yeah. <laughs> Out <of> like 30. <laughs> I just, you know what? Forward, man. The forward position is... It's uh, open, man. It's open. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's open. It's, it's pretty slim pickings, man. It is. It's, it, it's, uh, it's never evolving. Ivis. The next will be midfield. We've gone from defense to forward. It'll be midfield. It's always switching. Um, before we talk about what came out from U.S. soccer the last couple days, we'd like to remind everyone that if you're looking to support your favorite club team, get ready for the upcoming fall season. If you're a club player, even a college player, and you're looking to score an awesome deal on some gear or replica jerseys, you can get 10% off right now at SoccerLoco.com when you enter in SBI 10 at the cart window. That's 10% off your entire order and uh, and Ivis, I mean, I know we got a lot of youth players and kids listening to the show. I mean, dude, the fall season, summer's gone, man. It's August is here. The fall season is literally like starting like right now. You gotta start buying your you gotta start buying your gear. It's uh it's it's right around the corner. Actually, I was just uh, I was with my younger son. We we were out uh, looking for for uh, a present for my oldest son's birthday, which is uh, which is this week, and uh he was checking out the cleats we were we were at a soccer shop and it was like uh oh it's that time and he's like yeah the season's coming I gotta buy my cleats and I'm like. So I had to tell him, look, don't worry. Let's see what you like here, and we'll we'll hit up Soccer Loco and uh, and order it up on there. So uh, yeah, if you don't have your cleats yet, you might want to go check it out. Yes, that's ten percent off your entire order. SoccerLoco.com. Enter in SBI ten. What did come out this week is U.S. Soccer President Sunil Gulati announced that Jurgen Klinsmann's job is safe. I know there was some discussion, there was some some chatter. That Jurgen Klinsmann, this is Rob Bradley from 2011. He's going to get fired. No, U.S. Soccer backs Jurgen Klinsmann. And uh, look, let's be real, Ivis. I mean, U.S. sticking with Jurgen Klinsmann is still the best option going forward for this team. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I would say this. I know there's a lot of people who want the guy fired, a lot of people who want him out. And I'll preface everything by saying I'm not sitting here saying he's doing a great job or he's done a great job over the four four years and change. But it's clear the guy has been given a, a four-year mandate after the last World Cup. He's been given four years to work with. Uh, he's give, been given a cycle to try to mold this team into a team that can take it to a, to the next level and go beyond a round of 16, get into the quarters, get into the semis of the World Cup. Uh, so he's been kind of given this this long leash, right? Now, he's been given this long leash by U.S. soccer. Where do you Whether you agree or not that he should have it, you have to acknowledge and accept and, and, and agree that he has it, right? So if he has this long leash, you can understand why he makes some of the decisions that he makes. Whether you love him or you hate the decisions, you understand why he's making them. If the guy doesn't have pressure on his job right now, then you understand why he can play these younger guys and why 
he's not as worried about the repercussions as, say, Bob Bradley was four years ago. Bob Bradley, four years ago, going into that Gold Cup, was still not seen as a guy whose job was completely safe or, or who was a guy who the U.S. soccer absolutely was 100% behind. You didn't get that feeling. Not at all. If anything, coming out of the World Cup in 2010, and I know this for a fact, US, U.S. soccer wasn't convinced that they'd even keep him. They, I mean, Sunil, I know. I do remember Sunil, those conversations. No, Sunil, listen. Sunil and I Galati, remember Rob Bradley kind of the Gold Cup depended on him keeping his job going into that game. Right. I mean, Sunil Galati after the 2010 World Cup, and people forget this now. It's funny. It's only, I mean, it was only five years ago. That's a but, long time. Uh, four years ago, actually. Four, yeah, four. five years ago. It's crazy. Uh, it was only five years ago that Sunil Galati, after that World Cup, pretty much came out and said this was a missed opportunity. They should, they, you know, they could have beaten Ghana. They could have made a, a run, a deep run into that World Cup. And he was conflicted about what to do with Bradley. I know this for, I mean, I know this. I mean, I, I had conversations with Galati, uh, and, and and you got the sense that he he, you know what, he almost got rid of Bob Bradley then, right? So from that point forward. They they obviously went after Jurgen Klinsmann one more time. Klinsmann didn't they, they couldn't sign him. They couldn't uh he he didn't take the job. So then they went back to the well again with Bob Bradley. And at that point, Bradley was in a you know, he was in a tenuous position. He he wasn't on firm ground. So when people just look at it just purely on oh, he lost in the Gold Cup finals, so that's the bar for everybody. That's not the that's not the right way to look at it. It just isn't because then you're just ignoring all the context of Bradley's situation and the context of Klinsman's situation. Obviously, Bob Bradley went further in that Gold Cup than Klinsman went in this Gold Cup. No question. No doubt about it. But coming in, it's clear, and it's clear for anyone who pays attention, that Jurgen Klinsman didn't approach this Gold Cup as a do or die. Didn't approach this Gold Cup as a... Uh, this is the only thing that matters because no, because you, you saw it in his lineups. You saw it in his who he went with, who he didn't call in, who he chose to call in. He was he he was treating this as a, another step in his four year plan rather than rather than his showcase to keep his job. Mm -hmm. And if he if it if it was his showcase to keep his job, if he felt like oh I, I will get fired if I don't win this tournament. I guarantee you, and even though he denies it, I guarantee you Klinsman would have made different decisions. Absolutely. Omar Gonzalez would have started games. Timmy Chandler would not have started games. Ventura Alvarado would have been on the bench. Matt Beasley would have been on the roster. This would have been a different approach. But again, Klinsman is, went in treating this differently, went in with a different mandate. So you can't really compare his situation to Brazil. You can't. And, I, I, and for those who don't remember, I mean, I was... I back Bradley. I didn't think he should be fired. I thought he deserved more time. So just just to get that straight for anyone who doesn't remember, I felt he got a raw deal. And even with that, like I just don't agree that you can compare his situation to, to Klinsman's. You just can't. No, not at all. And especially when you look at just the way the U.S. team was in 2011 going into that Gold Cup. I mean, that was a period I was, we were kind of looking around saying, who was going to be the next guy stepping up for this U.S. team? You had a lot of older players that were slowly going to start retiring. You had guys who, yes, you had Clint Dempsey on that team. You had Landon Donovan, but, I mean, kind of they're getting up there in age. Look at the difference between then and now with how the U.S. is set up here in 2015. Jurgen Klinsmann has introduced a lot of younger players, has got younger players to kind of show glimpses of what they can become. I, I know we've seen some games out of Johansson. We've seen games out of Zardes. Bobby Wood. I mean, the list can go on with a lot of these younger guys, guys who have shown this potential. In 2011, the U.S. didn't have these guys. I mean, the pool wasn't as deep under Brock Bradley. And let's be real. I mean, looking at Jurgen Klinsmann's body of work, it has been far more impressive 
than Bob Bradley's body of work. It's between both coaches at this point of where they are with the team. I and mean, keeping your defenseman mm, is still yeah. the right option going forward. I think far, far more impressive is a, is a bit of a reach. I think really? That's, I, think, I, I do, dude. I think I mean, it, wins over Italy in Mexico. They're friendlies, man. Yeah, they're but they friendlies. do wins, though. Those are wins. They're Those friendlies. Mm, come on. Who, they, went to, been, do you not, uh, who, who went to the Confederations Cup final? Who beat Spain? The U.S. The got in on, in a, didn't Egypt who score beat like Mexico? Goals? Who, who beat Mexico in, in the Gold Cup final in, 20, in 2007? Bob Bradley's team. I, who, who, who got his team to the Confederations Cup final in 2009? Whose team finished in first in qualifying for the 2010 World Cup? Whose team, you know, fin- came within extra time of getting past Ghana in that? I mean... I'm not trying to say Bradley was necessarily better than Klinsman's, but to say Klinsman is far better than Bradley, come on. That's that. I mean, there are signs of progress. I agree with you. There are signs of progress, but let's not go crapping on Bradley's. I'm not crapping on Bradley, but I'm saying, but I'm not. His body of work. I'm I'm not crapping on Bradley. I'm saying that Jurgen Klinsman is better than. But Jurgen Klinsman has been a step up from Bob Bradley. Based on what? Friendly's victories. Based on friendly's victories, the makeup of the team. I was look how many young guys that Jurgen Klinsmann has called up. We we didn't see that under Bob Bradley. We didn't. I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann, I know they're friendlies, and, but and the still to pick ready. up. But I know they're friendlies, but to pick up wins in Italy, against Italy, in Mexico, against Mexico, the draw against Russia on the road to beat Bosnia and Herzegovina. I mean, these are impressive results for Klinsmann, regardless of their friendlies. These are but things the that the U.S. never friendly. did he's before. These are friendlies. These but the, are, but, but the U.S. never about... did that before. They never won friendlies before? The no, US but they never, never won, won friendlies friendly. against these teams in those countries, though. You're getting very specific. They beat Spain outside the U.S., Confederations Cup. It's pretty impressive. Bob Bradley and Jurgen Klinsmann are what now? Bob Bradley has what, two gold cups and one runner-up? Jurgen Klinsmann has one gold cup and one runner-up. You give Jurgen Klinsmann one more World Cup? I mean, if they make even the Confederations Cup, I mean... Uh, Bob Bradley never lost in the semifinals mm. of Jürgen Klinsmann is a step up from Bob Bradley. You know that. Mm-hmm. You come on. I no, but see, a, you, that's not what you said. See, the first thing you said was far better, and it's like, no, man, no. Like you can't. I'm not. He's not getting that. There are things that he's done that that you could argue that yeah, you know, it could it be setting up the team to be better equipped going forward. That's potentially the case. He's done things that maybe could down the road. Uh, Lead to something, yes, but to say right now he's already been clearly clear way above Bob. No, man, I'm not giving him that. I'm not giving you mm. that. That's just another example of people overlooking and no, underestimating no Bob Bradley's tenure. I'm sorry, that's just that, it's, that's what it is. What it is, man. Like I'm not underestimating just, his tenure. I'm just well, saying I, that I'm just saying if I had a he, choice between Jurgen Klinsmann and Bob Bradley, I would take Jurgen Klinsmann. I don't, I, and I think there's a lot of people who disagree with you. Okay, a well, lot they of can people. disagree with me, but I'm sorry, Jurgen Klinsmann has just been. I'm sorry, is not it's, that, it's not as wide as you're making it out to be. I will tell you that right I, now. I, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, it's it's a very small gap, but right now, Jurgen, I, to me, Jurgen Klinsmann. I'm sorry, better, better. Just he's been a step up from Bob Bradley right now. I'm, I'm even saying based, right based now and going forward. And, uh, on the road. Those are important true. games, dude. You can't They're discredit those. Friendlies are important. Though? Those those are important. Those are on the road with teams that actually had their first team players called up. If we're playing like Germany's C squad, which we have done before, Germany's D squad. I mean, some of these victories are against the national teams that, that called that up was, quality wait, 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 players. Wait, 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 wait. That was Germany's A team that they just beat. 
No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was, it was their B team. It wasn't, I'm talking it wasn't about the games their A that team. Are here. It wasn't their A team. Was it the Dutch's full first team that they beat? Some no. of the players. No, I guess, it wasn't their full yes, first team. some of them are it there, though. It wasn't their full first team. It wasn't, but the, the, but the, Ivis, the U.S. has never done that stuff before in the past. You know that. These are, those that, are important what milestones. What does that matter? Those what are important friendly, milestones. Friendlies do not mean mm. a thing. Give me a break. I mean, it, look, I'm not going to say no. they don't mean anything. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. They, that, they, but you're 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 hanging your hat on uh, you're hanging a lot on friendly victories, and I, what I'm saying is he hasn't done anything yet, and those friendly victories do not put him all just because of that does not put him over what Bob Bradley did. I'm just gonna I'm not giving you that one. I'm not, that now, if you, you want to talk about style of play, you want to talk about uh, approach to the game and the way the team plays, that uh, you know what, then we can have a discussion about that. But just purely on winning friendlies, no, I'm sorry. You're not getting that. No, it's I'm not, not getting. No. no, but the winning it's it's the whole package, Ivis. That's what I'm trying to say. It's the whole package. It's how, you, how you're going to set up this team with the introduction of younger players. It is yes, the style of play Rob which Bradley has produced never, victories never, in those Rob Bradley never never tried new younger players. He never integrated new players to the national team. He pool. did, That's but not but not but not how you're going to set it up though. I mean, come on, man. Look look at the plethora of talent that we have coming through the pipeline. <laughs> a ple- what are you? What is this? Three amigos? You're no, dropping <laughs> You like that? Yeah. Would you say that's my vocab word of the day? Jurgen Klinsmann Ivis has done a good job of introducing younger players to this team who will contribute going forward. Bob Bradley did not but, do that. But, that. but see, now they, see, you're doing it again. If those guys actually become players, then yes, then we can say, oh, but listen, applause for Klinsmann because he had the foresight to bring in these particular young players and these young players became the future and became the cornerstones of the national team. When that happens, Garrett, when that happens, your point will be legitimate, but it hasn't happened yet. You're giving him credit for doing something that he had, that hasn't happened yet. It's like, you're giving him a, you're giving him credit for winning the lottery because he bought tickets just because he bought the tickets. Oh no. Hey, oh, he thought, Hey, he credit to him. He actually had the foresight to buy lottery tickets and he's going to be rich now. But no, it hasn't happened yet. When these guys actually come through, when, listen, when it's 2018 in Russia or wherever they move it to, hopefully, knock wood, uh, if Brooks and Alvarado and Timmy Chandler are your guys in the back line and they're looking good, and they, they, I'll be the first one to sit here and say, look, hats off to Klinsman. He saw it. He saw this vision. He had it, and it came to be. It came to life. It became reality. He is the man. When that happens, he'll get every ounce of credit for me. But right now, you're giving him credit for what has not happened yet, what he hasn't even done yet. So that's where that's where I'm like, uh, let's take it easy. It's, you it, and I will disagree on this. You, and me, you me and a lot of other people will disagree. That's you're fine. giving him way, there's some, there's, way too, you're giving him way too much credit. That's fine. Hey, hey, just just for the record, yes, he's won. He oh hey yeah they've won. He's won friendlies in places the U.S. never won. Play. Hey, guess what? When's the last time the U.S. lost to a Caribbean team on American soil? Nineteen sixty-eight. Thank you. So he he's had he's had his history on both sides, positives and negatives. So let's let's just get that right. Bob Bradley never lost to Jamaica. Just to be clear, Bob Bradley also never beat Jamaica in Jamaica. Okay, he never did he lose to them though. Oh my gosh, you're so negative. I'm just saying. Uh, not, it, no, it's you know what it is. Here's what here's it is. My... You know what this is? This no, is your jersey that... coming out. No. You need to keep it in. That's my impression. Bob, Bob, Bob Bradley. Keep it no, in yes, yes. Bob Bradley is jersey. I'll, I'll give you that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're keeping it. No, you know, no, you know what it is? Here's my thing. What it is is that I really, and this is going back to Bob Bradley now. 
I really don't feel like he got the credit he deserved for doing what he was able to do with a team that really wasn't that good. When you want to talk about what like that group that that he had together, and obviously the whole Charlie Davies and Aguchi Oyewu uh, turn of events when when Davies you know nearly dies in a car crash and 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 Oyewu tears up his knee and is never the same after that. But in during his te- during Bradley's tenure. I mean, I thought he did a good job, man. You want to talk from from seven, from for his four year World Cup cycle, they beat Mexico in the in the in the 07 final. They they get to the Confederations Cup final, and you know they're beating. I mean, beating Brazil at halftime. They beat Spain. Nobody nobody thought they could beat Spain. Uh, this stuff. It's funny how like how is this just forgotten? I mean, he beat Mexico. Uh, in qualifying, he finished first in qualifying. I mean, like he did, he did everything that was asked of him, and he did it with a team that, let's face it, wasn't like a, a amazing team. And and you want to talk about young talent and where was the young talent? But why is it on him necessarily? I mean, it just, at the time, you know what? There wasn't as much young talent as there is now. I mean, like you know, when you want to talk about a guy, you know, guys like John Brooks, is Klinsman gonna? Is you want to give Klinsman the credit for John Brooks being a twenty-one-year-old? Starting in the Bundesliga, that's the circumstance that he is in. Uh, is it because of Klinsman that Ventura Alvarado is getting regular games at Club America? No, it's not it's because not of the, it's not the club, but, but the international level, the way he brings these but, guys up. Yeah, yeah, but, okay, first of all, he has young talents. He has he has young talent to work with that Bradley didn't have. And I, and I'm just laying this out for you. You're giving him credit for these guys who it's not because of him that these guys have, are 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 in these positions with their clubs at Aaron Johansson, uh, you know, in, in the area of the Vizzy. I mean, they, Klinsman is is picking from a tree that has much more fruit on it than Bob Bradley did at the time. And even with that, where where are all the guy where are the young guys who have stepped in and really uh, really developed and and really have just blown it up and have taken over, taken full advantage of of, of Klinsman's opportunities. It hasn't happened yet. It could happen, and when it does happen, I'll give him all the credit in the world. All right, I'll go. With I'll credit. go with Jurgen. You go with Bob Bradley. I'm not saying, no, but see, that's the thing. I, that wasn't even my point. My my issue was when you're when you're sitting there saying. Oh, Klinsman's way better than Bob Bradley. Like what? Like so? Hey ho! No, it, it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll happen. Look, let's talk. Look, when we talk in what December of 2018? When oh no, actually won't be December. That one is in the summer still. When we talk in the and when we're in July of 2018, and we see where the U.S. went and how far they got. Once he actually got eight years, Bob Bradley didn't get eight years. Bob Bradley didn't get eight years, and again, you don't know what what would have happened if Bradley kept what was kept through twenty fourteen. What young players might have come along, who guys he developed, you don't know. And, and Josie Altador, Josie Altador was a Bob Bradley uh, a guy. He brought he brought him in. Um, so I, I I just think it's early. It's a little early to sit here and say, oh, Klinsman clearly better than Bob Bradley. I think that's. I, that's look, just, I'm not like, saying he's clearly better than Bob Bradley. I'm just saying that's, that. That's I'm, look, listen, listen, <laughs> Ivis. Try listening. Rewind. Listen, Rewind. Ivis. I'm saying Jurgen Klinsmann is a step up from Broad Bradley. That's what you said. He is. That's what I've been it's saying. Not, that's dude. That's said. what I've been saying the entire point. time. Rewind it. I'll rewind it for you. Jurgen Klinsmann is far better than Bob Bradley. That's exactly what you said, man. He is. And he's right. a step up. I, <laughs> he is. He is. You know he is. Based on what? What have we seen? That he's way better. 
What have we seen other than friendlies? What? Give me something. Bob Bradley never lost the third play, the two games in a tournament, third, third place game. Embarrassment. Come on. All right, Ivis, I have a brilliant idea. Let's bring on a third opinion. Let's welcome in John Arnold from Gold.com. And John, Ivis and I were discussing back and forth in a very civil manner that I think that Jurgen Klinsmann's body of work has been better than Bob Bradley's body of work. As of right now, when you look at both coaches, who do you think has, has, been, has produced the better results for the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, way, way to frame that question because that wasn't really what we debated. But go ahead, John. Answer the question. <laughs> well, <laughs> Answering the question asked, Davis, I think that, you know, first of all, I can tell immediately that Garrett's Garrett's rocking the Klinsman side and you're rolling with Bradley. And and I see both sides. I think that when you look at it, the body of work is very close together. Um, So I have to disagree with the premise that the body of work, you know, Mm. Klinsman has vastly outpaced him. I think it's, it's pretty close when you look at. You know, Klinsman has a gold cup triumph. He did okay at the World Cup, but not great. And you've seen some players come through and get developed. The one edge that you have is like a recruiting check mark, but I don't even know if that should really be a category. But he's done well there, recruiting players, you know, who are eligible for the United States and securing those dual nationals. Who who booked John for this show? You're supposed to be on my side, John. No matter it's what. All, that's all. I'm, he he made my point. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm not even me and, and every people have, people always say I'm Team Bradley. But even I wouldn't sit here and say Bob Bradley was clearly better than Klinsman or even say he was better than Klinsman. I would just say let's give Bradley the credit he deserves. And I, I, I just don't think he gets enough credit for the job he did. And, and, and Klinsman still could three years from now, and he's going to have all three years, let's face it. He could end up surpassing him, but he hasn't yet. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, Ivis, let, let's, we got John on. So let's talk about the CONCACAF region as a whole. Um, John, Mexico winning the Gold Cup, their seventh the third one in the last four gold cups. I mean, pretty impressive for Mexico to pretty much have two games given to them as a present than to go out and have their best game against Jamaica. I mean, a great turnaround for them. Well, yeah, I mean, they struggled in the quarterfinal and the semifinal, depending on, you know, what country you're sitting in probably um, depends on how you saw those games. Although there were plenty of Mexican fans who said, especially with that Panama penalty and Miguel Herrera himself saying after the game that, that that penalty where Roman Torres kind of fell on the ball should not have been given bad performance by Mark Geiger. So I think that when you look at, you know, how Mexico was able to kind of put that out of their minds and, and really play much better, that was the big thing. Uh, it was an impressive final. And, and, you know, maybe people think that this isn't a deserved title for Mexico, but they did what they had to do. They got they got plenty of help for it. But in the final, they were definitely the best team. So I, the first, first question I have to ask you, it, Mexico won the title. But it seems like Piojo Herrera is is no one's like really talking. No one's happy with the guy now. He allegedly attacked a reporter. I mean, we saw the Univision, Univision report, and and there was no video of this punch. Now there's all kinds of talk tonight that he's out. He's gonna be gone. I mean, what do you think about where he stands? Do you think that you think that's a raw deal, or, or do you think he should go? I think that when you look at the way that people are talking about this. Piojo altercation with with a couple of reporters. I think it's the same as when you hear people talk about politics. You know, you already kind of have your side, and whatever side you're on is the side that you start to come down on. You know, I think that that people have wanted Piojo to go. I think that people have, you know, even though they won the gold cup, it wasn't an impressive fashion. I think that that some people are ready for change, as they always seem to be at the at the manager position in Mexico. But I think other people want him to continue. You know, he did win the gold cup, and that was the objective that he was handed. So I think that it's kind of I think it would be unfair for him. You know, it, nothing I have seen yet convinces me that he did something beyond 
bit unprofessionally. I didn't see him throw a punch. I didn't really even see him throw a shove in the videos that we've seen so far. So I think there's no really a real reason for me to say, you know, run him out. He should get fired. But just because there's no real reason doesn't mean that uh, the manager will lose his position. You know, think crazy things happen in Mexico all the time. They move managers around quite frequently. So you might have seen the last of Miguel Herrera. And, you know, this would be a bad way to go out. But his last game winning the Gold Cup, I mean, you can't ask for too much more. It's uh, it's so it's so Mexico for them for them to. Uh, just cannibalize <laughs> the right. coaches, right? I mean, let's, let, his his predecessors. Well, he had a few predecessors, but when we think about that 2011 Gold Cup, and I still remember Chepo de la Torre at the time was like Mister Untouchable. I mean, I still remember questions in that press conference after they they beat the U.S. in the final, and it was like the the tone of it was pretty much how does it feel to just be unbeatable? And it's like two years later he's out of a job, yeah. and it's just it's just funny the the the, the disparity between the pressure that Mexico coaches feel and then the pressure that Jurgen Klinsmann feels. You see him on – it's like he's sitting on a on a beach chair sunning himself. Like you picture him on the beach, sunning himself on the, uh, on the beach, and then Miguel Herrera is running around with pit bulls chasing him. It's like two totally different worlds. For me, I think Herrera should keep the job. But then again, I just happen to like it. I mean, he's, he's just a good person. And and for me, the final, I mean, he did, it's not like he just threw out – 11 names. I mean, he made some decisions there that helped him win that game, right? I mean, benching uh, Hector Herrera, I mean, who was supposed to be one of their best players in this tournament, but, but has not been. Yeah. I mean, he made some he made some moves there that, that worked out. What'd you, what did you think about the job he did in that final? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the final, you see him kind of, he, he's been, for me, too slow to adjust. You know, whether it's the injury to Hector Moreno, which made him go to a 4-4-2, and the injury to Chicharito, which made him change his attacking options. Um, you know, or you look at the quarterfinals, the semifinals, where he's basically, you know, he returns to the 5-3-2. He's trotting out the same defenders, the same central defenders who are having trouble putting Hector Herrera out there over and over again, even though he, you know, while he's probably the most talented player, player uh, on the Mexico squad maybe Carlos Vela could be in the discussion too he wasn't performing at all so I think when he gets the final and finally makes that change and it works out it, it makes him look smart but maybe a little slow to adapt so I think that's the criticism that I would lodge but yeah I thought that Isos Duenas came in and played really well Tecatito Corona has had a fantastic summer it was nice to see him score in the final because he had a great Copa America although he was really the only attacking threat so team were kind of able to zero in on him and try and stop him from doing anything creative. But Tecotito had a great tournament, he had a good final. Duenas had a you know good performance in the final, but those were his first Gold Cup minutes. So not only a little brave of Ferrer to throw him out there, but a little strange to see a player not playing in at all during the group stage, during the two knockout games that preceded the final. And then all of a sudden he's good enough to play for your team in the final. So it was a it was a good strategy. It worked out for Herrera, but I wonder if he should have kind of turned to that measure a little sooner. Okay, now let's say he's fired. Let's say he's gone Tuesday morning. They make the announcement. He's gone. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they consider. I know who they should hire, and it fits right in with the conversation we just had. They need to hire Bob Bradley. Mexico <laughs> should I, I mean, come on. The drama at the Rose Bowl, Bob Bradley, Jurgen Klinsmann. Oh, my Lord. I mean, it's not happening. Let's face it. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, ha I'm mostly kidding. But just imagine the soap opera subplots. I know it's not happening, but you know what? Maybe maybe fantasy will become reality. Who's the, who are they going to hire? You tell me, John. Who do you, who do you think? They it, it would be that 
That would be fun to see. That would be fun to see. Man, it's just a carousel. You know, it's it's a it's a carousel of the same guys. It just goes around again, and there's the horse, and there's the zebra, and and there's the bench that your mom sits on. You know, it's it's just the same people going around and around, and uh, <laughs> you know, like the horses go up and down, and your mom doesn't want to yeah, sit on that yeah, one because it's like scary, you know. Okay. I, okay. I didn't know where you would go with that one. <laughs> so for me, I think the zebra right now is Luis Fernando Tena, who who, is, who doesn't have a job right now. He, he was the intern for for the the Mexico team for a moment there for a brief period of time. The, Me- uh, he's the out game there. in Columbus. He lost them. He lost the game in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. He, he lost it for he's them. Yeah. No, it wasn't his fault, man. That oh, team. I'm just saying, good, he's 0 yes. one, and it, that lost. Oh, in, in in playoff situations against the U.S., he's 0 one. So yeah. Uh, maybe they don't want to bring him in. I think Pedro Caixinha is a name that a lot of fans want to see, the Portuguese manager who's at Santos Laguna right now who just won the last tournament. He's a little bit of a, I don't want to say revolutionary, but he's a he's a guy who says things that other coaches in Mexico don't say. He's a guy who kind of, I think, especially after the final said, you know, pretty much had the mentality of, I just won the final. What are you going to do? You're going to fire me? No. So he, he, he's he spat some truths about the uh, Mexican system, some of the difficulties that they have, some of the, the inward-looking tendencies that they have. So I, I'm not sure how that went over with the FMF, the, the federation, the decision-makers, but I think fans would love to see him. The question, of course, with the league system is will these league clubs let their teams go because the FMF is kind of composed of these of these club presidents. So they have to come to a deal with whoever the you know owner of, in this case, Santos is. So um, he's a candidate, and he has to be thought of, and then pretty much anyone else who has held the manager for coaching position in the past could pop up just like on that carousel. So I think Ntena and, and Caixinha are the first two names that come to my mind, but there are definitely other candidates who could, could emerge. Well, outside of Mexico and the U.S., there were some other teams in the Gold Cup. And when you look at the Gold Cup as a whole, John, um, you had all the Caribbean nations that were in it advance to the next round, which is pretty impressive. Um, just the play overall from from Jamaica, you could also throw Trinidad in there. I mean, when you look at the tournament, the Gold Cup 2015, what impressed you the most out of out of the entire tournament? Um, no one, <laughs> nothing. I mean, I think I was impressed Haritos, with how, how. Oh man, yeah, the Haritos was good. You know that sponsorship went well. They're sponsoring everything, man. They're sponsoring. I'm in Fort Worth right now, my my hometown, and they they sponsored the local NPSL team. I saw so Haritos, man. They're getting pineapple, out there. Um, pineapples, my, if you want to send me pineapple. free Haritos, you know I'll send you my address. I'm a I'm a I like the grapefruit, the Toronto. Um, no, but on the field, man, I, I think, look, you saw Panama you make the final in 2013, almost make the World Cup, and then you know they they were rightfully frustrated with the manner they were eliminated in. I think the Caribbean nations could be the kind of story when we look back on this. Haiti played really well. Jamaica obviously making the final, a Caribbean team in the final for the first time. Uh, So I think that was impressive. I think it will be fascinating to kind of watch and see how these teams develop from the Gold Cup into qualification because, you know, a lot of these teams, especially the kind of lower tier teams said, you know, we would love to succeed at this Gold Cup. We realize it's probably not going to happen. We're looking toward qualification in 20, you know, we're going to try and make Russia 2018 or at least try and jump into the hex or what have you. So um, Jamaica got a tough draw in qualifying. Uh, They're going to be into that group with Costa Rica and Panama if they are able to get out of their little playoff that they have to take part in. Uh, that's going to be difficult. So I think that's something to watch going forward for sure. There are certain players that impressed me. You know, Giles Barnes, we all saw. Rodolf Alston, you know, the veteran from Jamaica. Sheldon Bateau, the center back at Trinidad and Tobago. You know, these are some guys from the Caribbean who who I thought did really well. But overall, I guess the Caribbean is the story of the tournament. But it, it was not 
the brightest gold cup for CONCACAF and not really the best moment for uh, for the region, I don't think. Uh, I'd say this. One thing that, that if I look at this tournament, something that just impressed me just being at all the matches and, ta- and, and being in these press conferences and watching these teams develop, I feel like the coaching was a storyline. Uh, I mean, it's funny. Everyone talks about Klinsman and Herrera, but I feel like Panama, Bolillo Gomez, and I feel like Jamaica – uh, Jamaica's coach. They, I think those two guys look like they're ready to take their teams to to, to a new level. And I feel like it, it's a. I, th- I feel like the coaching level has gone up uh, with some of the smaller countries now. And now that they have coaches who seem to really know what they're doing and and are organizing those teams well, I, I think that that's going to just help the region uh, get that much stronger. I mean, obviously Costa Rica is still up in the air now. Cause you don't know if Juan Chobis, I mean, as far as, I mean, I, you would, you're captain Kalkakath, you know, better than me. I don't know if he's been fired yet, but th- that's up in the air. Honduras, uh, their coach, their players are not happy with their coach. That's what I'm hearing. But for me, the, the way the coaching job that, that Gomez did with Panama, uh, and, and Schaefer did with, with Jamaica really impressed me the most. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the coaching, you also hit a good part of the cycle, too, because you have all these nations who are still alive in World Cup qualifications, so they have no reason to to remove the coach, but have been involved in matches for long enough to where you have the same guy's project. You have players who are somewhat familiar with each other. I think the Winfred Schaefer, you know, when you look at the job that he did at even at Thailand um, in Cameroon, you know, it, he has the track record of a, of a coach that if he's given the right resources by the JFF, um, that he should be able to succeed. Uh, Belia Gomez, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm still frustrated that they ran off the others because I thought he was a really good manager. We'll see how they progress in the World Cup qualification. The one I'm disappointed by is Alvaro Roca, uh, the Spanish manager who came in with El Salvador after that match manipulation uh, scandal kind of eliminated almost their entire player pool and they've had to rebuild not quite from the ground up but pretty much and uh and he's done a really good job in my opinion but but not good enough for the federation he resigned for mutual consent but i think that he was kind of encouraged to go out the door and the other manager who i think is is really great uh for the, his current nation and, and it would be good if he can stay around is mark Collat down in haiti um he's got you know he's bringing the same players game after game which in the Caribbean is just not a given, you know, in the U S obviously you see, Oh yeah, it's going to be the same 10, 11 guys at that minimum. And probably more who get called into friendlies, get called into qualification matches in the Caribbean. Sometimes it's a totally different side. You get guys who aren't familiar with each other players with, you know, who qualify based on heritage who are playing their first game with a country and didn't even train. Uh, that stuff happens regularly. Uh, I do have, have a- that consistency and, and the managers bring that. That's huge. One one last one for me. I gotta ask. I, I know that we we have some listeners. We have some listeners in Canada, and obviously another disappointing tournament for them. So I gotta ask you, what what's the future hold? For, I mean, is there any hope for Canada? I mean, the the draw isn't the worst draw in the World Cup qualifying. Kyle Aaron scored a hat trick, so that's positive. The Gold Cup though was a stinker. Is there any reason to to feel any optimism if you're a Canada fan? I mean, it depends on what you're being optimistic about. I think if you're if you're being optimistic in Canada showing growth, I know that the tournament was frustrating from that respect. I really thought they'd do better um, because I think that that Floro has done a decent job getting matches, getting this again the same players in, um, and trying to develop some younger talent. The question there is, okay, they were really bad during this tournament. Do we start over or do we keep this manager keeping on the same project? Look, if Laren's the chance that he had in uh, in 
play against uh, El Salvador, you know, we're talking about a team that was able to score from the run of play, which is something they just haven't been able to do in the past two tournaments now. And you're looking at something totally different. He's obviously a player who can score goals. He's a player who can rise to the occasion. He missed that chance. He's not going to miss those chances going forward. And there are other players on the team who I think will also be able to to kind of raise their level as well. I don't think Canada's going to make the hex. I don't think they're going to make 2018. But I think when you look at the future, maybe there's reason, reason for optimism in that the team seems to be going along the right direction. Yeah, they won the Gold Cup in 2000. But like other than that, it's been, it's been kind of a dark period for a while now. And you're not just going to snap out of that overnight without having a serious project, a serious rebuilding structure and developing some of these younger guys into regulars. Well, John, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. If you're looking for any information on the CONCACAF region, check out John's work on gold.com. John, we will catch up with you later. Thanks for jumping on. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. And good stuff from John. John really does know everything there is to know about CONCACAF. So like we said, check out his work on gold.com. Now, Ivis, with Mexico winning, that sets up the one-game Confederations Cup playoff, which will be on October 9th at the Rose Bowl U.S versus Mexico, winner of that automatically advances to the 2017 Confederations Cup, which will be held in Russia. I think most U.S. fans were hoping that it would be Jamaica in the final, but Mexico versus U.S. in the Rose Bowl, I mean, what's it probably going to be? 80, 85% Mexico supporters? You know, it's going to be more. There are going to be more Mexico fans, obviously, and anyone who remembers 2011 in the Gold Cup final at the Rose Bowl will remember that it was just, it was unbelievably pro uh mexico having said that i've been told by Concacaf officials that they're going to try some new methods to try to keep up some some sort of balance i don't know what that means i i, I don't know like they're going to try some new ticket sales methods uh i don't know if it's that they're gonna they're gonna do like a 35 35 or 40 40 split between the federations and then leave it up to u.s soccer to to, to handle its own process of how it <laughs> oh, man, that disperses so, that the like tickets. A but, but i mean think about it if you're the u.s uh, you'll gladly take that on because if you can ensure a more reasonable split, I mean, it's not going to be 50-50. Everybody knows no. that. It's not even going to be 60-40. But, I mean, if you can get it down to like 70-30, I mean, it's a little bit less crazy. I mean, I, the, the, I mean, the Rose Bowl in 2011 was a circus. It was it was not a good envi- it was not a good environment for the U.S. It was not a safe environment for U.S. fans. I mean, I. I heard horror stories about just the, the behavior of some, uh, of some Mexico fans there and, and, and some of the treatment uh, of some American fans there. So from that standpoint, you you know, that's all the more reason that you want to have some more of a balance there just because it creates a really ugly environment. Um, so we'll see, man. This game, It's hard. To, it's two months. It's more than two months away. We don't even know who Mexico's coach is going to be. Um, so it's hard to really even talk about how that game could go. But it, I think it's going to be a great game because as, as, as bad as the U.S. was, I feel like throughout the years, U.S. always gets up for Mexico. They always get up mm-hmm. for those games. Their players get up for those games. Michael Bradley, we know through the years, gets up for, for Mexico. Um, so I think it's going to be great, man. I, I plan on being there, and uh, you know, hopefully it's, uh, hopefully it's a bit better than the 2011 uh, meeting between those teams. That game will be on October 9th, which then leads into the following month, World Cup qualification. It's already here. I mean, I feel like the World Cup... It was only a year ago, and now we're already talking about qualification for 2018 in Russia. That kicks off for the U.S. in the fourth round on November 13th. The U.S. will play either Aruba or St. Vincent and the Grenadines. They'll also be taking on then Trinidad and Tobago on November 17th. But, I mean, just like that, Ivis, we have World Cup qualification. I mean, it just it, it never ends, which is awesome at the same time. No, it's great. It's great. Um, and obviously... 
Well, we I, I guess we sh- we should kind of quickly talk about the qualifying draw. Uh, we we didn't the fact we didn't... that that you had Seth Blatter and uh, and uh, Putin in the same room for a photo together. I mean, how great was that? I mean, that's yeah, it was pretty terrible. Uh, but I mean, it's <laughs> it, it was. I thought it was. I thought it was just amazing that that uh, Putin said that. Uh, he thinks that Seth Blatter deserves uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> I mean, these so two great. guys so are great. Their own, they're on their own planet. They really are. Uh, but no, back to the qualifying draw for those who missed it. I'm sure everyone saw it by now. The U.S. with a cushy, and I mean cushy, draw to the to in in the second round. I mean, their their place in the hex is pretty much booked. Uh, I know, you know, not to jinx them or anything, but <laughs> Trinidad is in their group. Probably Guatemala will be in their group. And we saw Guatemala in, in the you know in the Gold Cup lose to Cuba, so it's, it gives you an idea where they are right now. So so it's uh it's a cakewalk. And uh, but it's great it's great though that the U.S. is, is returning to St. Louis. Uh, they're gonna I, I've always known St. Louis to be a great city for soccer, and 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 they have some great fans. We always uh, run into the St. Louis fans at at, uh, at U.S. national team matches around the country. So I'm sure that will be a great turnout and uh, look forward to getting out there. Because last time I went to St. Louis, it was like negative five degrees. I was there for the MLS draft. I don't even remember how many years ago. So hopefully, hopefully it's uh, above zero degrees. Well, I think we can finally put a cap on national team talk and coverage. We'll still do it in the next couple of shows. I'm sure we will, but we got to transition over to Major League Soccer, which some big things are also happening um, in the league as well. Let's face it, Ivis. Montreal Impact, they have their man now. Drogba is now a member of their squad. This is a huge move. I know he's old. Some people are bashing this move. Let's be real. I mean, he was playing for Chelsea in the Premier League a couple months ago. Yes, I know, not every game, but hey. He's playing in the Premier League. Drawbook, I think, can still bring it. And uh, an impact bringing him over. I mean, this is just another big move for the league and a big move for the impact. Absolutely, man. This is a good, this is a big move. Uh, he's obviously older. He's at later on in his career. But, I mean, for what he can still bring and for what Montreal needs, I mean, I think this is a win-win all across the board. I mean, obviously, he's a high-profile player. And he's someone who he's joining a Montreal team that that's what they needed. They needed a, a reliable go-to forward. They obviously have quality in the midfield with Piatti and Romero, uh, Duca. I mean, they've, they've got some guys who can set up chances. And uh, they're among the league leaders and chances created. And he he should, Drogba should be able to feast on those chances. And as far as all the talk about the, the you know, he's, you know, retirement league and another old player. It's amazing to me, man. It's amazing to me how there is this segment of the American soccer fan population that never misses an opportunity to crap on whatever it is MLS is doing. And, I, you know, no one's saying these guys are in their prime. But to sit there and act like it's a bad thing. For the league to sign Drogba, Lampard, Gerard, Pirlo, Villa, Kaká. I mean, if you if you really think that's a bad thing, you are drunk. You're drunk because like it, it, it's it's just so dumb to sit here and say, well, you know, these guys aren't aren't at their best anymore, and and you know, the MLS is still uh, you know a B league. It's still below the top mm-hmm. league. We all know that. No one is sitting here saying. MLS is on par with the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga or Serie A. It, it's still working its way up. And it's making clear progress now that we're seeing these players move here. And, and, the, and the one thing I had, the one point I have to make that it just is hilarious to me how it goes ignored. You want to call these guys washed up. These guys would start still to this day 
on most teams in most of the top leagues in the world. Andrea Pirlo just finished starting in a Champions League final, leading Juventus to a Scudetto, leading Juventus to almost a treble. Uh, David Villa would start for most teams in Europe. Javinko could have stayed in Europe and played in a top league. Kaká could still be in All these guys could still be in Europe. Steven Gerrard, just because he's not the man at Liverpool anymore. You're telling me there aren't half a dozen teams or more, probably more, half the teams in the Premier League that would open the door for him now to play now. So these guys are still quality players. Mm -hmm. So to say there's no value or to say that it makes the league look bad because you're bringing in these older guys, it's just, no, it's not. It isn't because these guys are helping raise the level of the league, the level of play on the field. And, yes, the attention obviously comes with it, the notoriety, the, the, the marketing aspect because these are established names. Yes, that is a factor. But these guys can still play at a high level, and they're helping the league get better. So I, I, it just it just makes me laugh, man. And you can't argue with these people because that's just how they see it. And you know what? I, for those of you, if you happen to be listening and you're in that that school of thought, go ahead and think that. But you know what? You can. No one's telling you you have to pay attention to MLS. But if you're not if you're not a fan of MLS and you're doing your own thing, watching everything else, do that. But just shut the hell up about oh MLS is a retirement league. It's a joke. Blah blah blah. Like no, the league is is a, is a league that is coming along. It's growing. Could it get better? Yes. Could it do things better? Some things better? Yes. But anyone who it denies that it's growing, I mean, you're just I mean, you're in denial. It's a league that's growing. Exactly. It's and it's far from a retirement league. I mean, G A Gio Gio De Santos, Sebastian Jovinko, that are. I'm 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 amazed that you didn't throw Dan Gargan into that conversation. Oh no no <laughs> but yeah it's a it's just great man it's a, it's seeing all this talent come it in. It is it's awesome. Uh, these guys I are mean, still performing. Look look at the performances this past weekend from a lot of these guys. Oh, look, look, look 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 we'll talk about that here in a second, Iris. One more thing we need to discuss before we recap MLS Week 21. New York Red Bulls have brought in Sean Wright Phillips. Yes, the brother of Bradley Wright Phillips. And uh, look, these these two players have totally different careers. Bradley Wright Phillips bounced around versus his brother Sean Wright Phillips. Who, dude, he's been capped by England thirty six times. Played for Chelsea. Played for Manchester City. I mean, dude, he's played for some high profile clubs. And what do you make of this signing for the Red Bulls? Well, I think finally, finally, the Red Bulls uh, their plan of of signing the lesser known brother of uh, of the bigger name <laughs> player bears fruit. They finally got a guy because this is the team who had John Rooney. Brother of Wayne Rooney, and this is the team that had Degao, brother of Kaká, and in both those, and in neither of those instances did that that lead to the 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 star brother joining the team. But now finally, it's paid off. I'm kidding. Obviously, they didn't sign Bradley Wright Phillips to get Sean Wright Phillips, but mm. it's a good addition. I'm sure you can I make mean, the connections there, I was right? And, and, yeah, and look, we know Wright Phillips the last couple of years of his career haven't gone, the, haven't been the best. Uh, but to, I, I mean, I think it's a safe bet that he's going to be able to come here and contribute and, and be a factor for this team. So I think it's a good signing. Uh, at the same token, I I don't think you want to put his name in there with the Drogba's and the Gerrards and Lampard because it was funny because I you know I, I put a list on Twitter of these signings that 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 have come in and and what it means for the league and and of course there were a couple of people like and Sean Wright Phillips. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that's not. They're not quite the same in the same ball there's levels to this and and he's not on that level but no good signing it's good to see the red bulls actually you know hopefully you would think they're spending some money here to bring him in 
Uh, is he necessarily exactly what they needed, the missing piece for them? That remain, I think that remains to be seen. But if you're a Red Bulls fan, you got to be happy to see them actually add a player. Well, this past weekend in Major League Soccer action, we saw games with a handful of goals, and then leading that charge was New York City defeating Orlando 5-3, to three, which featured seven goals in the second half. It was an awesome game if you're watching, if you loved offense, if you were a Love defense and low scoring. Turn your eyes away from this match. Both teams need to work on defense, regardless of that, Ivis. Though more importantly, Pirlo makes his debut for New York. They scored two goals within literally felt like seconds since he made his way on the pitch. Big victory for New York against Orlando. Yes, I mean, the, obviously NYC still has defensive issues they need to sort out. But having Pirlo there, I mean, obviously he he shows his quality. He's going to be a great addition for them. And Mix Discrude coming back from the national team, I mean, I thought he thought he showed well. And and everyone's going to want to see how that midfield works together, how you fit in all those pieces when you think about Lampard, Pirlo, Mix Discrude, Ned Grabovoy, Tommy McNamara. So I mean, Jason Christ, he's going to have to figure it out. Uh, along with figuring out the issues with his defense because the defense just hasn't good enough. But if you're in NYCFC, you're feeling pretty good. You got you're you got you have your DPS now, and you're ready to make that run to the playoffs. FC Dallas all over the Portland Timbers, defeating them four to one. And Ivis Dallas five game winning streak, impressive performance here against Portland. I mean, they're they're looking pretty good all of a sudden. No, I mean, they've been rolling for a while now. I mean, this is, you know, a nice run for them. And, and I think it, what's interesting, I think FC Dallas fans are obviously going crazy. They're happy. But I think there's been I mean, there's been enough years now where, where they have seen their team in this position where they're rolling middle of the season. They're in the summer. They're near, at or near the top of the standings. And then a collapse happens. And I think I think right now I think you have a lot I think you have a lot of uh FC Dallas fans that are kind of keeping one eye, you know, one eye on that possibility uh, of of another, you know, another collapse when that's going to come. Obviously, they're going to enjoy it now. Oscar Pereira has, you know, feeling pretty good. And, and Michael Berrios, hey, another guy uh, who, you know, that we know about Diaz, we know about Fabian Castillo. And I, I said it earlier in the year, they, they need they need help. Those two guys need help. They can't do it alone. They need s- some more help in the attack. And now Berrios is looking like a guy, he could be that guy. So if he if he can keep that going through the year, then FC Dallas, you have to take him seriously. One other thing for Dallas, too, is that Kellen Acosta has been playing midfield for them. He had a goal and assist in this match. He's been doing it the last couple matches for them. Um, I mean, he's definitely been been a huge reason why Dallas has been so good in these last five matches. Yes, sir. Look good in defensive midfield, and I still can't help but wonder whether or not uh, Todd Ramos might have missed the boat and, and should have played him in the midfield instead of uh, playing him at fullback. But you know what? We'll never know. Yeah, we will never know. Montreal defeated Seattle 1-0. to And uh, Seattle, they, they, are, they are thinking the calendar that the Gold Cup is done. Without Clint Dempsey and without Martin, Seattle has lost six of their last seven matches. They, can, I'm sure, cannot wait to have Dempsey back. Um, just another missed opportunity for Seattle, man, losing to Montreal 1-0. to Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty ugly. It's getting pretty ugly. But they're getting Dempsey back. Uh, we're hitting the all-star break now, and uh, Dempsey, that's going to be a huge boost for them. Uh, I don't think anyone's panicking in, panicking in Seattle right now. I think they are they know that the the, the, the serious stretch is going to come. And uh, you know what? I think they'll be fine. I mean, obviously, if you're Siggy Schmidt, you're, you're not happy with, with, with how the team has handled missing those guys and how he, you know, a lot of guys just haven't stepped up to fill the void. But... I think Seattle's going to be fine once they get those guys back. Toronto played Columbus 
to a 3-3 draw. Precious thing about this one, Ivis, is that Columbus went up 3-0. It looked like they had total control of the match. And then uh, Sebastian Jovinko pretty much was just like, oh, all right, all right, I let my teammates try for 45 minutes. Now it's my turn to take over. Toronto then scores three goals in the second half, and this match ends in a 3-3 draw. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, if you're, if you're Columbus, you cannot be happy with uh, with that collapse. But Toronto, Jovinko, man, he's, uh, as we're at the All-Star break, uh, he's looking like the MVP. I mean, I know I know. I know. Benny Philhaber was my pick when it was the actual true midway point of the season. But here we are a few weeks later as we hit the All-Star break. Javinko looks every bit, every bit like an MVP. D.C. United defeated Philadelphia Union 3-2. to Also an interesting one. Philadelphia scores two goals in the first four minutes. Things are looking pretty good for them. And then D.C. slowly chips away at the lead. They eventually won. And um, and how out, Ivis? Sabario with a goal for D.C. United. Look at that. Greener pastures already paying off for him. Hey, somebody called that, I think. I think someone said Sabario I said score. that. I'm pretty sure I said oh, that. Oh, you said. Okay, good. Well, anyone, you know, anyone can go back and listen to the last show and, and see who called that one. But, yeah, no, D.C., man, they, they did it again. And they keep on finding a way to get these results. And, and you know, if you're Philly, man, what a gut punch. You know, you get two goals early. And you feel like you're in pretty good control, but DC man, they just find ways to win. They're 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 just a veteran team. They don't get rattled, and they just keep plugging along. Are they, you know, are they going to be able to keep that rolling into the playoffs? That's the big question mark. And obviously, we know last year they weren't able to do it. Uh, do they have the weapons to win a title? That's the big question. Is Sabario the missing piece? Look good so far. Look good so far. So, uh, you know what? If you're a DC fan, you're feeling pretty good about that trade right now. New England Revolution played Chicago 2-2-2 draw. And, uh, I mean, wasted opportunity for New England. Late in the game, Kellen Rowe had an opportunity to give New England what probably would have been the victory with the game-winning goal. He misses a, a, a pretty much would have been an easy tap-in. And for New England, I mean, look, the, the slide, you could say, is kind of ended for them. I mean, the last two games, they picked up four points after dropping the previous five matches, losing all of them. Um, for some New England, I mean, I, I guess you'll take any positives and, and any points going forward right now it's, until you can finally get get that rhythm back, especially once Jermaine Jones comes back. That's what they're waiting on. They're waiting on getting him back. And, you know, if you're Jay Heaps, uh, you know, you're looking at the standings right now and you think, you know what, we're we're we're, we're, we're not in as good a shape as, as I would like. But at the same time, we know we're getting Jermaine Jones back and uh, they're going to be right there. They're going to make that push and, and they're going to. Jones, but um, it hasn't been the prettiest month for them. Houston Dynamo defeated the LA Galaxy 3-0, to zero, um, and to, what an impressive result for Houston, picking up a valuable three points, and for the Galaxy, I mean, Ivis, this roster was perfect. How could they lose? Stop it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think you jinxed them after your love fest for, for that Galaxy team. Our love fest, I'll admit. You know, yeah, I, I, thought they, I thought they could do no wrong, and uh, as expected, <laughs> as we expected, they came crashing to a halt. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Credit to Houston, man. Hats off to them. Team of the week for me. Uh, you know, 3-0, pretty, pretty emphatic. But, hey, guess what? L.A., they get Omar Gonzalez and Gio Dos Santos. It's like, what? Oh, by the way, and Jossie Zardes. Oh, yeah, him too. And Jaime Pinedo. It's like, oh, right. They're missing four guys who are going to be starters. Like, it's great. They, look, L.A., man, it's LA's, it's, it's L.A.'s title to win. Uh, or LA's title, it's LA's title to lose. To lose, but, uh, there you go. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know who's going to catch them. I think Sporting KC. I like Sporting KC. I think they're 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 building a squad there. But LA, man, even though this is this is this did did not look that pretty, I, I think people need to remember. 
that this is not the full Galaxy team just yet. The Vancouver Whitecaps return to their winning ways, defeating San Jose Earthquakes 3-1, to scoring all three goals pretty early on. San Jose did add a late goal at the end of the match in the 90th minute. Didn't matter at that point. Vancouver, three points on the road against against the San Jose Earthquakes. I'm sorry, at home. Excuse me. At home. Yeah, no, Vancouver, man. They're, they're, they're a good team. They've been solid throughout. Um, I just, you know, you just wonder what, what they have up their sleeve in terms of personnel moves. Are they are they standing pat? Are they going to, you know, go out and get, make some additions? Obviously, they get they get Darren Maddox back. That's going to be a huge one. Maddox, who had himself a pretty damn good Gold Cup scoring in the semifinal and the final. So I think that's going to give him a confidence boost, uh, having getting him back into the fold. So, you know, Vancouver, I think they're, they're going to be right there uh, the rest of the way. Well, Ivis, this week is the MLS All-Star Game, which will take place on Wednesday when the MLS All-Stars take on the Tottenham Hotspur the day before you have the Chipotle homegrown game. The important thing about all this, though, why we're bringing it up, not only because the All-Star Game, Frank Lampard has been removed from the roster due to, guess what, another injury. He'll never play for NYCFC, replacing him is Dax McCarty, which is great. I love seeing Dax. He's a great player. Good for him to make the all-star team. But come on, Frank Lampard, dude, can this guy ever stay healthy? I mean, he's never going to play for New York at this point. Nah, it's not I me. Mean, look, it's unfortunate, obviously, that he, he hasn't been able to shake this off. But, I mean, I don't know if it, it – I don't know if we should assume that this means that it's a serious injury. I just think that, you know, if he can't play – if he can't play on Sunday, if he couldn't play in that game on Sunday against Orlando – you really couldn't have him make his MLS debut in the All Star game, right? I mean, I think that, I think that, that I don't think that would have sent a good message. So, uh, from the standpoint of pulling him out of that game, you know, it, it, it makes plenty of sense. But he'll he'll be fine. There's no there's no need to rush him along. I mean, they have enough. As we said earlier, I mean, they, as we noted earlier, they have enough midfielders. So, I think they can they can wait on him getting 100 percent healthy. And you know what? Credit to Dax McCarty, man. I mean, I think he's a deser- deserved uh, selection. I think he's had. He's been, you know, obviously one of the keys for the Red Bulls, uh, what they've been able to do the first half of the season. I, although I will say this, uh, and I don't know if it's been announced yet. Maybe it has, or a, but Ethan Finley. Yeah, he had he, a, I would have preferred Ethan Finley over Dax McCarty. Don't get me wrong. I like I mean, Dax McCarty. It's, Ethan Finley's it's, been killing it this year. Right. I mean, it's different positions and everything. And, and Ethan Finley did have a tweet earlier tonight that made it seem like maybe some good news came his way. On that front, but uh, I mean, I would say it, it's it would be a, a, a pretty big travesty if Ethan Finley does not find his way uh, to the All Star game just because he's been unbelievable. I mean, I think he's been uh, outstanding, one of the best players, and d- definitely for me, one of the, uh, the best winger in the league uh, first half of the season. So we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it works out for him. All right, well, before tonight's show, we did tweet out an SBI Q&A. So quickly, I'm sorry, we're not going to quickly do that. We will do that right now. If you want to get also your questions answered on the show, you can always do it on Twitter, hashtag AskTheSBIShow. We'll occasionally go through this, and we'll do an SBI Q&A like we were doing on today's show. Ivis, the first question comes from Matt Roth-Gerber. Gieber, I think, Rath Gieber. Is Bruce Arena a possibility as U.S. men's national team coach again, or has that ship sailed LA Galaxy seems too easy for him. <laughs> well, uh-huh. I, I, I would say I find it extremely unlikely that he'll be the U.S. coach again. Um, and not to say that he couldn't do it, but um, for those who don't remember, and it's been almost 10 years since since he left the job, uh, he didn't leave on the best of terms. Him and Sunil Galati, uh, I mean, maybe they've made amends since then, but 
let's just say Bruce Arena uh, let, let let his unhappiness be known when he left the U.S. job back in 06. Um, and I just don't see Galati going back that route. I don't see I don't see Sunil Galati going back and hi, and rehiring Arena. I don't see him going back and ever rehiring Bob Bradley. And that's not to say those guys couldn't do a job if 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 given the opportunity, but. I just think I just think Galati has different things in uh, in mind. I think he's going to give Klinsman every opportunity, and then once uh, once Klinsman's time's up, I think I think Galati is going to go for you know a, a big name, a big name international coach. Um, I can't think of anyone off the top, but you know whether Jose Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, you know that caliber of coach I think would be would be some something that uh, that he or Mar- for me I tell you what Marcelo Bielsa, I like Bielsa. Um, but you know what? Yeah, no, I don't think I. I don't know if we're gonna see an American coach again, uh, ever. Well, not ever, but well, we will. For, for, for a, it I could be a while. I was thinking about that the other day a- after Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena. I was trying to think like who who's the next guy you could say. I mean, well, right now, I mean, I would say you know what? Pete, I, I don't know if he takes a job. Peter Vermees. Yeah. For me, I think he he, he does a great job with, with with Sporting Kansas City. I think he he. I think just in terms of with the experience that he has. Uh, what he's been able to do developing players, uh, I, I think he could do a great job. I, I know people always used to talk about Jason Kreis, uh at some point, but you know I think he's early on in his career. Uh, I, I don't know if that's that's something for the immediate future, but I think I think for me of Americans right now, I, I, Peter Vermees. I think he's the guy that I would if I if I'm hiring an American, I'm hiring him right now. Next question comes from Raul. Will Jurgen Klinsmann start mix for the playoff game against Mexico? We're more than two months away. It's a long time between now and then to see what kind of foreign players uh, wind up in. But I will say this: it's interesting that NYCFC now that the piece that they have the pieces that they have, and and Jason Christ is going to have to figure out how to play all these guys together. As I've said in the show on the show before, this group is going to have to take a, a deeper role on his team, uh, be be more of a kind of a defensive midfielder, going to have to do some more of the dirty work. I know some people will be like, "Oh, that's not his game," blah blah blah, but you know what? He has to do it because just look at the guys on this team. Pirlo, uh, Lampard, Grabovoy, McNamara. Uh, you know, somebody needs to do – someone needs to, to to be the – you know, they say that you have your piano players, your your piano carriers. He's going to have to do some carrying of pianos on the, in this midfield, and that could actually work in his favor because if he shows that he can do that, that he can do the dirty work and he can support guys like Pirlo and Lampard – then Klinsman has to look at that and say, you know what? Maybe I can plug him into my midfield. Next question comes from Alexander Lesko. Thoughts on Mauro Diaz? It seems there's little, very little buzz about what may be one of the best attackers in Major League Soccer. No, no question. I, think, I mean, I think there's no question he's one of the better attacking midfielders, one of the best, definitely one of the best young attackers in the league. Uh, you know, yeah, there is something to be said for playing in a smaller market. And right now, all these international superstar signings are... are, are sucking up all the headlines so uh I, I think quietly diaz is, is is hitting back to the peak that we saw him hitting before he had the serious injury last year uh yeah no i mean i think he's great i think he's been an outstanding signing for fc dallas and and i agree with you i think he's one of the best attackers in the league final question comes from marty party what needs to happen for the league to realize andrew hop hopman should be shown the door out uh, yeah that's a good question that is a good question uh, just for some quick background, I mean, I have a bit of a history uh, writing about and covering how Andrew Houtman uh, back in my days, early days of SBI. I mean, I, I really took him to task for some of the decisions that he made early in his career. Uh, I, I really went at him, actually. 
Uh, and I, I, to be honest, man, going from then to now, I don't know if I've seen that much of a change in, in his approach. Um, just some of the decisions that they make. I mean, uh, you know, Frank Gallup has been has had this job for a while now, and it's been tough to see real progress in that team. Um, I will say I don't know how much blame I'm going to put on Houtman for this Drogba mess. I think that's just an unfortunate case of uh, teams not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, Montreal, in, within the confines of MLS and how it's structured, uh, it's unfortunate. The fire did all the all the legwork to go sign Drogba, to court Drogba, to get him to buy into the MLS idea. And then here comes Montreal with their international city panache and French-speaking swag. And, hey, did he yeah, come, come play with us? And next thing you know, the, Drogba gets sweep, swept off his feet and the fire lose out. Uh, I'll give the fire credit for actually trying to get him, just as I give them credit for having tried to sign Jermaine Jones last year before the league made a mess of that. So I'm not going to put that on Howman, but you can put other things on Howman, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the coaching decisions he's made higher as far as hires and giving guys long leashes. Um, it just hasn't been a, he, he's not, he, look at the track record. He hasn't done a great job as an owner. I don't know anyone who could argue that. Well, Ivis, that ends today's SBI show. Anything we need to uh, break down, discuss before I let you go for the week? I think that's it, man. I think we're, uh, I think we're good. I think now that the Gold Cup's behind us, I mean, what a whirlwind, man! That, that tournament was a, was just like it was like just being on a hundred mile an hour treadmill and everything zooming by. The hot, hot conditions all across the country. Uh, it, it, it was a, it, it was a fun tournament, interesting tournament, uh, crazy tournament at times. Uh, I think it's good to see some of these other CONCACAF teams developing and, and making the region a little deeper. I think if you're an American fan, you want Jamaica and Panama and Trinidad and Haiti to be better than they've been. I've said it before, uh, more tough tests, more tough games make for a better national team. And I think in this Gold Cup, we saw a lot of teams that look like they're heading in a good direction. Unfortunately for the U.S., they didn't really look like they're heading in a good direction. So we'll see how these next few months play out with the upcoming friendlies, with how players do in MLS, how, how the national team players do heading into the European season. So that that uh, that Confederations Cup playoff game is is more than it's still a ways away. It's more than two months away. So plenty can happen between now and then. All right, Ivis. Well, I will let you go. We'd also like to thank John Arnold for being on today's show. Ivis, you have a good rest of the week, and I will talk to you uh, to later as we'll preview MLS Week 22. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to, this, to the show, the reviews, the comments, everything you do to support Ivis and myself. That is Ivis Clarsep. I am Gary Cleverly. This is the SPS Show. <laughs>